Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Cedric, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Hello and welcome to Fabulous Folklore with Icy, or welcome back if you're a regular. We're going to continue this week with the folklore of insects, because there's a lot of them starting to be about now in May. And this week we're going to have a look at ladybirds. Now, if you mention ladybird to most British people of a certain age, they'll probably think of the rather well-loved ladybird series of small hardback books. They're usually designed to teach people something in some way. There's actually a new series aimed at more mature readers, and I don't mean that in like a rude way, but they're the so-called Ladybird Expert series, and each one's been written by someone who's an expert in their field to put across the basics of something in a really easy-to-understand, accessible fashion. I've read the Susanna Lipscomb volume on witchcraft, and it's a highly recommended read. You can find it on Amazon, it's about a fiver, or... I've got a link to it in the blog post that accompanies this podcast episode. And if you want to have a look at that, it is www.icsedgwick.com forward slash ladybird hyphen folklore. Do apologise about the length of those URLs, but there you go. We're going to talk about ladybirds, as I say. There's actually almost 5,000 known species worldwide. They're also known as ladybug in the United States, but as you can probably tell by my accent, I'm in the UK, so we're going to stick to ladybird. So where did the ladybird get its name? There are actually a few stories about the origin of the name ladybird. We're going to stick to the main one that I found most often while I was researching this episode. And during the Middle Ages, you had swarms of insects that kept destroying the crops in Europe. Obviously, that's a bit of a problem if you're essentially losing your entire food source. So the farmers prayed to the Virgin Mary for help and hordes of ladybirds turned up. Obviously, that's their favourite thing to eat is these little insects like aphids and so on so they demolish the insect invaders and thus save the harvest so as a result the farmers renamed the newcomers the beetles of our lady which then became lady beetles and then ladybirds some people actually believe that the ladybirds red wings represented mary's cloak because she often wears a bright red cloak in early medieval art to be fair though we are more used to seeing it in blue now mainly because blue comes from lapis lazuli and early painters decided to keep their most expensive pigment for the mother of God. But this link between the ladybird and protection or safety helps to explain why so many baby clothes have ladybirds on them. However, this behaviour was tested in the 1880s in California, and citrus growers kept losing whole swathes of their citrus groves to a destructive insect that had been imported from Australia. So they thought, well, why don't we try releasing one of its predators then? So they released uh, $1,500 worth of Australian ladybirds to try and bring the problem under control. And I'm happy to report that within two years, they'd actually beaten back the pest and saved the groves. So yes, that does actually work. One thing that I do find quite interesting, and I want to say this before I forget, is this is where the name comes from, but I've not been able to find what people called them before this point. So there must have been a pre-ladybird name, but I don't know what that was. And interestingly... I actually mentioned in my last episode about dragonflies that I'd be doing ladybirds this week and one of my Twitter friends actually dropped me an extra nugget 
So in Korea, ladybugs are called mudang boli, which means shaman beetle. The origin apparently is unclear, but some think that there is an association with the red colour worn by shamans. So it is quite cool that this association between ladybirds and some kind of uh, divine inspiration or whatever continues. Now, I don't think anybody will be massively surprised when I tell you that ladybirds, on the whole, represent good luck. So much like we saw with butterflies and bees, and occasionally dragonflies, it is incredibly unlucky to kill one. And some beliefs even say that you actually end up in the Virgin Mary's bad book for nine days if you kill one. Some people think that they're poisonous, but that would only really be if you ate one. So avoid eating ladybirds and you should be fine. Now, what do you do if a ladybird lands on you? If one lands on your hand, it means that you're going to get new gloves. And you should also try to make a wish as it sits in your hand. So pay attention to which direction it flies away in and that's the direction that your new look is going to come from. In Belgium there was a belief that a girl would be married within the year if a ladybird crawled around on her hand. Those in Sussex believed that if a ladybird landed on them they'd have as many happy months as the spots on its back and incidentally the more red the ladybird is the better the look which is nice to know because I keep seeing yellow and orange ones. Girls even had a rhyme to recite if they caught a ladybird and it would help them decide where their future husband would live. So they would hold on to it and then they would say, fly away east or fly away west and show me where lives the one I like best. And then they would let it go and see where it went and it helped them discover where their future husband lived. What happened if it flew north or south? I haven't got a clue, but that's what the rhyme said. If a ladybird lands on your head, you'll get a new hat. And in France, people believed that you'd be cured of any ailment if a ladybird landed on you, purely because the insect would take it away with them when it flew away. And speaking of ailments, and this is a bit gross, so if you've got any like issues around teeth or whatever, you might want to plug your ears up for this one. One weird belief concerned ladybirds and toothache. And dentists would actually mash up the insects and then put them into a cavity, and they thought that would alleviate toothache. To be fair... Considering the taste rancid, I don't know this, I am just repeating this from the books that I read. They apparently taste rancid, so the disgusting taste would probably distract you from the pain, if nothing else. Thankfully nowadays we have things to fill cavities with. Some also think that you can cure both colic and measles with ladybirds, but I haven't actually been able to find out what the remedy is, which is probably for the best. But anyway, we'll continue with the beliefs instead of weird medical practices. If you can, count the spots on a ladybird's back. If it's got more than seven, it means famine is coming. If it's got less than seven, it means that the harvest is going to be good. Other people think that counting the spots relates to how many coins you'll find, but only if you found the ladybird in your house first. Ladybirds are also known as little midwives in Italy, and for newlyweds, the spots predicted the number of children that they'd go on to have. And as well as using them to predict all kinds of things to do with numbers. A lot of the beliefs revolve around ladybirds and the weather. And there's actually a Northumberland one that children would throw ladybirds that they found into the air, saying, read red dodger, fly away and make the morn a sunny day, as if the ladybird could somehow affect the weather. We've all heard the stories as well about a stork bringing a baby or uh, children being found under a bush to try and explain where these newborns came from. And in Switzerland, they said that ladybirds brought babies to families, which I think is just the most charming mental image that you can imagine. 
And also, and this is my absolute, absolute, absolute favourite thing about Ladybirds, and when I saw this, I just thought, rock on. They get by far the most heavy metal origin story in one Norse legend, and apparently the Ladybird rode a bolt of lightning to reach Earth. And if that's not awesome, I don't know what is. It also kind of links them with Thor a little bit. I don't know if they are in the in the legend, but I just thought that was brilliant. And it is also better than the Norwegian belief that if a man and a woman spot the same ladybird at the same time, romance will blossom. I prefer the lightning one. Also, we keep talking about insects that represent regeneration and transformation. Obviously, we saw that with both butterflies and dragonflies. Ladybirds also often symbolise regeneration because their life cycle is only around a month long. And some people also link the ladybird with the scarab, which was sacred to the ancient Egyptians. And this might sound a bit peculiar to us because when you look at a scarab and you look at a ladybird, there's not immediately that much to link the two, but ladybirds do actually belong to the same group of beetles as scarabs. So in a way, they're also quite a sacred insect themselves. And I suppose obviously if you are using them in your garden to keep the aphids down, they are pretty holy in that way. The last thing I want to cover is this really, really weird nursery rhyme that you might have come across, or you might have come across a variation of it. I think I found about four versions in total. And it's, Ladybird, Ladybird, fly away home, your house is on fire and your children will burn, except little Nan, who sits in a pan, weaving gold laces as fast as she can. It's it's bizarre. And if you ever watched the film The Awakening with Dominic West, very, very good haunted house film, that actually forms quite a a key part of the narrative towards the end of the film. But I digress. Where could such a really bizarre, weird nursery rhyme come from? Now, there's about three interpretations of what this rhyme actually means. And probably the most likely is the fact that it was common practice in medieval England to set fire to hop vines after the harvest. It clears the field, it reduces them to obviously ash, which can then be absorbed back into the soil, and the ground's then ready to be planted with the next crop. Now, the nursery rhyme refers to those ladybirds that were still toodling round on the vines looking for insects. The children refer to their larvae, which are also still pottering about, while Nan is the pupae attached to the vines. So while the ladybirds and the larvae could escape, the pupae would burn with the vines, and the golden laces it talks about is basically how the pupae actually attach themselves to the vines. And that's one interpretation. Richard Webster relates another, that the rhyme was actually a charm to help the sun pass through the dangers of sunset, and the house on fire symbolises the red evening sky. I'm not sure how much I believe that one, because it does seem a little bit too seasonal, and I do think that the one about the vines is probably more likely, but it is quite possibly one of the weirder nursery rhymes that I've ever come across. But either way, ladybirds have gone on to become quite beloved garden critters, and where people might fear spiders or actively chase away wasps, as they should because wasps are just stupid, many people do love ladybirds. And who can blame them? They're really cute, and they're an amazing organic form of pest control. So, hope you enjoyed that on the folklore of ladybirds. Next week, I was going to do spiders, but I was like, are arachnids actually insects? I don't necessarily know that they are. And I thought, I can't expect anybody to actually read the blog post and look at the pictures, because I know some people can get really quite affected just seeing pictures of spiders. They don't bother me, but obviously they bother other people. So instead, we're going to have a look at 
beetles because some beetles can actually be quite pretty with their really iridescent metallic sort of wings and, and, and so on that they've got. And again, we'll get to talk about scarabs a little bit further and they're fascinating. So we're going to have a look at beetles next week. And then I'm going to tell you now what we're doing for June because I already know. Because June marks midsummer and the most famous thing to do with midsummer is a midsummer night's dream. We're going to have a look at fairies and all things fairy and fae throughout June. So I hope that you come back and rejoin me for Beatles next week and then fairies in June. If you do have any special requests for anything that you want me to cover, please feel free to leave a comment on this post or fling me a message on Twitter or an email or whatever you want and let us know what it is that you'd like to see and I'm more than happy to accommodate that request. So that's it for this week and I will see you soon. Cheerio! Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com. And that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!